0: Social media is ablaze today over the early release of the already New York Times bestselling book from Michael Wolff, Fire and Fury, the lightly sourced book that takes a look at the inner workings of the Trump White House. Liberals and Trump haters across social media are asking if this is finally going to be what brings the president down. The answer is no, it's absolutely not going to be that, but it is going to serve its propaganda purpose beautifully we're going to talk about that and a lot more on this episode of the propaganda report i'm here with monica brez monica how you doing i'm great a little cold how you doing i spit nipply
1: <laughs> you can't you know you know it's that just, stuff makes me uncomfortable I'm quoting
0: christmas vacation
1: <laughs> yes that's not good enough
0: I I just, it's cold it's chilly it's chilly
1: you can say sure. nippy.
0: <laughs>
1: you can say nippy and evoke the dirty pun that you were going so for. So you
0: think I should use innuendo instead of being so direct?
1: Yeah, the word just does it for a little subtlety.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind next yeah. time.
1: Yeah, No, but you know what? Your complete lack of subtlety, I'm sure, brings more to, <laughs> to our interaction. So go ahead. I I didn't, Ginny, tweet that her favorite thing about our podcast is when you just shut me down with your whatever off-color comments going too far.
0: You got to go pretty far to go too far. I don't know. I think –
1: yeah, I guess. It's just – admit, you know, I've been on regular radio, and I care what my kids hear, and I try to be sensitive to that. So, you know, you'll never hear me talking smack about Santa. I try to censor – out of a, a self censor, out of uh, out of respect for the culture and the sensibilities
0: of the broad audience, for you draw the line. I'll talk about a lot of things, but smack about Santa's is <laughs> I'm the not table. doing
1: it. <laughs> I told you the story about my daughter, right? Yeah, go ahead. I gotta warn you: spoiler, spoiler. Do not let children listen to this. Uh, I said, she said, Mike, you gotta tell me the truth." Is there a Santa? I said. Uh, so I told her. And she came back the next day and she said, ah, I told Lucy about, you know, what you told me about Santa. I was like, what the heck? You cannot tell people in your class. You know, that's not right. Next time you ask me to tell you the truth about something, I'm not going to tell you. And she said, what do you mean? What else is there to know? (laughs) I was like, uh. (laughs) So anyway, get it?
0: There's a girl that (laughs) I went to elementary school Middle school, high school. I, I knew her from when I was uh, you know, really young all the way through graduating high school. And whenever I would see her at reunions or anything, she always brings up the strongest memory she has of me. And that's in our fifth grade class when I told her that Santa wasn't real.
1: Fifth grade. Let me do the math there. Yeah, that's around when you, you would say that. See, you I said it. it. I didn't actually come out and say it. You just said it. Some rogue kid walking through the room where somebody's listening to this podcast. Well, I didn't say it
0: wasn't real. I I told her what I saw, and my parents filmed themselves stuffing the stockings, (laughs) and I saw them stuffing the stockings, and I kind of put two and two together, and I told her about it, and uh, that's what she remembers about me the most.
1: Well, my son with Down syndrome is 15, and we, we literally cannot convince him. He insists that we're completely wrong. It's St. Nicholas. He was a real person. Hello. And my daughter's like, you can't let him go to high school like this. He still believes? Yes. You can't talk him out of it.
0: Yeah. Millions of American adults all over the country who, despite being told repeatedly that the news isn't real, (laughs) adamantly believe that it is.
1: Well, but but the funny thing is they believe that the news that they're told by the news is real is real. (laughs) So when Don Lemon tells you what's fake and what's real, you're like, well, I know this is real because that guy told me it was real and they're real because they're on cable news.
0: Could Don Lennon be any more gay when he reports the news? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's his whole purpose I, is I to let like, everybody know how gay he is.
1: You know, I think Anderson Cooper is that his name? Yeah. Like, I kind of wonder if he's not really gay. Like, he's like he's, a straight guy in the closet because it's so like he just it's such an important part of his image.
0: Right, and like you said, just like a Republican or a Democrat posing as a Republican can sneak policy through, a gay person can get away with a lot more than a straight person can.
1: So a straight guy masquerading as a gay guy could be undermining. Right. The gay movement. Yeah. Yeah. Like Milo.
0: A straight man would never get away with what Milo gets away with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting.
0: So did you see the story yesterday and today about Steve Bannon? Well, the headlines were that Steve Bannon called Trump Jr is meeting with the Russian lawyer treason.
1: Yes, and that actually dovetailed with an article I was reading about uh, Australia redefining um, the definition of treason to include... That's funny because I pulled this article totally unrelated to the Eric thing. Um, It said they talk about China Chinese influence in their elections, and um, that if you associate with them, it could be kind of treason. But what the reason I flagged it is that's the reason I am no longer in favor of the death penalty. I used to, just from a theoretical point of view, say, okay, you know, you don't want to kill innocent people, but it's not immoral to kill a guilty person. Somebody committed murder. I don't think that's technically immoral, but treason is a capital crime. And if your government's been hijacked, you know what I mean? If your government's full of treasonous traitors and they call you treasonous because you're against them, you've got big trouble. So all this censorship and the fake news about Russia is like, there's a prototype in Australia for um Chinese interference in the election, that being a bridge to treason. And that makes me nervous because that's, that's a serious, they could throw you in jail for that. Kill you. Take your head off.
0: Yeah. Well, he didn't actually say treat. He didn't actually say what all the headlines. Quote, quote, yes. He
1: I wanted to dig into that. I didn't have a chance, but I figured what he said was not what they say. He said, which you know, in itself, it I know, which you think that they can do that. And I, I, I just remember so clearly the day Shep Smith said that Putin murdered 300 people, by shooting down that Malaysian airliner over Ukraine, which I knew damn well Putin did not shoot down. And he just said it. And I was like, wow, they've just they just say stuff that's not true.
0: Yeah, they say it. They say stuff that's not true. And there's, there's one way there's, there's a tell for this is sometimes they will say definitive statements. Like one example was the and I, I want to get back to the the ban and Trump thing because I want to tell the actual purpose the propaganda purpose of that and the book but one thing that they do is i think her name was tweety the one who accused al franken to begin with there was a bunch of headlines shortly after her accusations and the headlines and the anchors said she has forgiven al franken she has forgiven him but i noticed when they were playing it when they were talking about it they would show clips of a of tweety during an interview and then they would cut away and they themselves would say oh, he yeah. has forgiven him. And I'm like, why are they saying it yeah. instead of just showing the audience? So I went back and watched. Yeah, I went back and watched the whole interview. She never said, I forgive him. She was pressed by Jake Tapper. Do you accept his apology? Do you accept his apology? Do you accept his apology? Uh. And she kind of reluctantly under yeah. pressure said that she did. That was what they took and spun as she forgives him. <laughs> and those were the headlines. It's such a lie. It's unbelievable. I
1: used to think that the Wall Street Journal just had to hold itself to a higher standard or it would lose credibility. But when I read that today about that, I, I knew that however they were writing the story, they were probably not technically incorrect. But sometimes they are. Sometimes they'll write it and just when they take the quotes out, although New York Times versus Sullivan said you could actually put paraphrasing in quotes and get away with it. So even if it's not (laughs) a direct question, not crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And then, um, but when they said that about Bannon calling this treason, I I definitely wanted to dig in. Plus it sounded like for the first 10 times I ran into the story that Bannon was the one who actually wrote the book.
0: (laughs) Well, Bannon apparently is the guy who opened the, the West wing for this guy to come in and get an inside look at the white house the the book as i mentioned in the opening is called fire and fury it's written by a dude named michael wolf and he spent a few months in the west wing apparently according to the stories he was welcomed in by bannon and he just interviewed and took notes and he wrote this you know earth-shattering book that apparently is lightly sourced he apparently makes just a bunch of declarations and he doesn't include a lot of the sources so i guess he was just wandering around eavesdropping on people i'm not really quite there's not a lot of there's not a lot of meat to the stuff in it and that's important because they do these they do these little propaganda things all the time and people like is this going to be it is there going to be is there going to be you know evidence of collusion revealed in this book is there going to be evidence of Obstruction of justice revealed in this book? Is there going to be enough evidence to invoke the 25th Amendment that comes from, from this book? No, there's not. Because, from the standpoint of the investigators, the russian investigation, they don't wait around a year while an author sits on damning information to get that information from a book publishing. Right. They know everything that's already in that. But yeah. as soon as Mueller found out this guy was writing a book, he interviewed him before the book was finished and got all the information that he knew. So this book was not at all intended for the Russia pro the actual investigators. The book is targeted specifically. This is target marketing and the and the Bannon-Trump interaction and the New York Times article, I believe, that, that published Bannon's um, out-of-context quotes. I, I guarantee you, if you read the book and you read Bannon's full quotes, it totally undermines the meaning that they were pushing in the media. Uh, he did say some stuff that it you know brings some conflict, but there's a tried and true marketing thing where nothing sells other than sex better than controversy. And a few days before this book is being published, it's being pre-sold and this bomb drops, suddenly there's so many online pre-orders happening that they have <laughs> to move the, the I mean this is a textbook marketing <laughs> stunt. I guarantee you Bannon's hooked in with the you know the publisher or, or in some way He's getting he's either getting money or some other benefit out of this total publicity stunt. You have to think about the target audience here and the target audience here are the Trump haters who are being strung along. And filled with false hope after false hope that this next revealing, intriguing, damning information is going to finally give them what they want, and that's to bring Trump down. But the problem is this. The Democrats, and you spoke about this, they don't want to bring Trump down because Trump hate is the only thing that is fueling the left to take political action. Trump hate is what is going to drive people to the polls in the midterm elections, and if they took Trump out right now… That no. would diffuse all that tension, and yeah, they wouldn't uh, get all those people voting. They have to have Trump in place to fuel the hate yeah, in order and to Yeah, Exactly. So all of this stuff is intentional propaganda designed to string along these people who are so consumed with Trump hate. I mean, it's like a drug to them. That book is not a book. That book is a symbol of the resistance, and them buying it is them taking action to resist Trump. That's well, what it is to them.
1: There's something else, though. I mean, I, I'm – I'm not sure I'd really have to get my hands on it. First, first, I want to say, I think you're probably right that the Mueller probe will like feel like a it'll fizzle out or be a nothingberg or something like right before the 2018 elections. So that that will drive people out because they'll have no other recourse than to just take back the legislature. But but on the book, if there's this other thing that <clears throat> I've been noticing since around since Easter. At like last April, this uh, Bannon-Trump dialectic emerging where they're there. so I always thought Trump was in there to, to neutralize the grassroots liberty movement, Tea Party, all that stuff, the Ron Paul stuff that was really messing with the Republican establishment. I thought Trump was in there to disrupt that within the party. Now I feel like it's an even bigger operation than that, but that was definitely a part of it. So they replaced that with this populism thing, which which got a lot of that really that got even more unity and mass than the liberty movement. So in order to defuse that, they need they need a new schism. So then you have the Trump Bannon schism. So people who want Bannon to be president, they feel like, oh, Trump's been taken over. uh, by the the Democrats that are in the White House with him, um, the Zionists, whatever. But Bannon's like the true blue guy. Although he actually put Breitbart in Jerusalem, not Tel Aviv. So I, if, it, if it gets to that level, um you can see that it's not really the dialectic that they're presenting. But when you look at Bannon now, like the latest thing was Mercer. Mercer... Robert Mercer, who ran Cambridge Analytica, who Kellyanne Conway and Steve Bannon worked for, uh, supposedly after this, this is the last straw, they're distancing from Bannon. Bannon's rogue. Trump said he lost his mind. So Bannon's this rogue, loose cannon. That's a guy Trump populists can really trust. I mean, he's a guy who would drain the swamp if he had the chance. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be president. But it keeps the control over that side that wants to, uh, <clears throat> that still has hope. You know, they feel like they're really engaged. I mean, I get emails from these people all the time. God, I don't know who to believe Trump or Ben. And I'm like, trust me. <laughs> like it's not, that's not the battle. And, and it's always good, I think, to remember. Bannon's background is like really deep state. He was the head attache to two admirals in a row at the top naval position in the Pentagon, which is, uh, some say, the top position when he was young. He went to Reagan's inauguration, yet he was a part of Operation Eagle Claw, which was the failed Iranian hostage rescue attempt that sealed Carter's fate to lose against Reagan. And he said that was the thing that flipped him. And then all of a sudden he goes to Reagan's inauguration. I mean, this guy, he was young then. He seems like about as deep state as you can possibly get. So I don't trust yeah. anything that he does.
0: Yeah, I don't either. And Bannon, as well as Trump, have made a career off of publicity stunts using controversy, exploiting controversy for the purpose of getting the type of press that's going to enable them to get closer to a goal they're going after. Trump used it all the time. He talks about in his book. You look at Bannon's career, calls himself a propagandist, and he intentionally uses controversy in order to reach his ends. That's what this whole thing is. It's, It's part of a publicity stunt. Some people might have been wrangled into it unaware that that's what it was, but that's what it is.
1: It's just like gossip.
0: The target audience of this propaganda book and propaganda event is the extreme Trump-hating left, and they fuel on anything that is like Trump's son might flip against him, Flynn might flip against him. Oh my gosh, Bannon turns against Trump. They the endorphins in their brain explode, and they get off on that type of news. But so,
1: isn't the propaganda the stagecraft so? so ham-handed that people can see it from a mile away. I mean, does just, just Jake Tapper and Don Lennon really think they're reporting the news?
0: I don't think Jake Tapper and Don Lennon do. I, I think they're well aware of what they're doing. I think there are some journalists or broadcasters that don't know, that do buy into it, and they're blinded by this extremely intense emotion that they can't they're just so bombarded with all this misinformation that they can't step out of it and actually look at it from a distance with reason. So I think there's probably some broadcasters that buy it, but when it comes to Jake Tapper, I think he's probably um, one of the ones who are getting the direct commands. What do you mean? I I think he's one of the ones who are walking behind the curtain and he's getting handed the script directly from whoever the uh, mysterious wire pullers are.
1: See, I feel like um, Bill, O'Reilly is like that. Like he really know Rush really knows what's going on. Hannity knows what's going on. But um I guess Tapper does too. I just get this feeling on the left that there's such arrogant, self righteous, true believers up there that they 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 really think they're they're the good guys and they're and their politicians are the good guys fighting the good fight, you know. That's I just don't idea, yeah. I don't feel like I feel like the ones on the right are a little more cynical, and they know that they they still think they're doing it for the good of the country or whatever, but they know. I know Rush says stuff like that all the time. You know, <laughs> yeah, they just did that on purpose. Oh Charlottesville was a controlled opposition maneuver. He just throws stuff like that out there, but the left never they make fun of that kind of thing. I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent. Sorry.
0: No, I, I know what you mean. They make fun of it yet they do the same thing. Some it's of just to
1: me, it's, it's naive. I, it's so funny because the intellectual ones, to me, are more naive.
0: Well, they believe that they've come to their conclusion. They believe it's logical. They, they don't think what they're getting is propaganda. They are committed to the position that Trump is guilty. Oh my, Siri just popped on, on my phone.
1: Oh my gosh, she, did she drop in?
0: I don't know. I'm going to shut up. You know that,
1: that thing about the drop in? Yeah,
0: the drop in the Google Hangout.
1: That's so creepy. Everybody yeah, really in my is. house is just like given up. My daughter's like, I don't care. So what? They see me naked. I'm like, what? No. That's how they do it. No. That's the same thing. It's like, I don't care. I got, I got, I signed up for retina scan. I'm just going for it. I don't care.
0: Sometimes when my buddy Josh calls me, he's a guy I used to do improv with we spend like the first five minutes of the conversation talking to the NSA handler who's listening.
1: <laughs> you know, but they don't care. They don't care American. that much. That's the thing. It's like they, they have trigger words. If you say trigger words, it starts them a listening. They, I was reading these articles. I have so many articles here about what, um, we don't have to move on to this at, at the moment, but like all the things they're doing in China that of course are coming here. Oh, uh, yeah. like, the one I was looking at, it was called Jailed for a Text. China's censors are spying on mobile chat groups. Authorities scour private chats on mes- messaging apps for blacklisted words, sensitive images. And I was I was reading after I read all this stuff about the Chinese police and surveillance state. I was reading the blurbs of the things that in Qtel, which is the CIA's venture capital arm that they invest in, and a lot of it is uh, how, to, how to go through data and find stuff like this automatically. A lot of AI and um, algorithms and stuff that they are developing so they can very quickly go through mass amounts of data to find trigger words and stuff like that, to flag, to aggregate. You know what I mean? So they're not listening to your conversation. On, you know what I'm saying? Like they. You think they don't have the capacity to listen to everybody's conversation, but they're not doing that. What they're doing is they're recognizing patterns and connections and words and all that kind of stuff that uh, will flag you. And if you get like it is another example, I'm kind of morphing a bunch of things together. But if you get a certain number of flags, you get into big trouble. And in China, you go to jail. But this stuff's coming here.
0: And here they keep the file on you, so that if it ever does become illegal, they can retroactively apply it to pre-crime.
1: I don't think they can. Well, I mean, you're not supposed to be able to do that, but I have seen. Well, it right down. now, they well, can. I mean, when you look at um, Bill Cosby, <clears throat> well, that's a statute of limitations thing. But uh, right. so, do you do you want to hear more about my China stuff, or do you want to keep? Going yeah let me with let me say
0: one more thing Finish, about yeah. mm-hmm. about that book. One of the things you're going to see in 2018 is the constant refueling of the fire. You know, damning evidence here, uh, they're turning a witness there. They're going to continue to string liberals along, making sure there's enough hope and enough anger and enough hate within them that compels them to go out and vote in the midterm elections. In droves. It'll probably be record-breaking numbers, but it's important. They must keep people fired up all the way through the year. So you're going to see constant stories like this book. They need to believe that their actions to resist Trump are working, otherwise, they will become hopeless. So they have to be strung along like this so that they continue to take action. And what you'll see leading up to these elections is it's going to increase in intensity, and you're going to see Roy Moore vote against this monster times 100 all over the country. I've already started seeing articles about the 10 must-win states in the midterm elections for the Democrats. And the national media is going to lead this onslaught of smear campaigning, regardless of whether or not the candidate wants to be involved in it or not. And it's going to be chaos when we get to these November midterm elections. What throws
1: me for a loop is that, I, when I follow that voterGA.org, Garland Favorito, I've never had any <clears throat> anything but um, always seems to operate with integrity, never has any kind of partisan thing. He, uh, and he, and he keeps tabs on on the voter stuff, voter watchdogs and everything like that, voter integrity issues. He says George is very bad, by the way. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. And, uh, and he said that, Assoff at least I think he he said that it looks like Assoff actually won the initial uh election that <clears throat> that it really didn't even have to go to a runoff but that that there was funny business so that that actually went for Assoff and that the Roy Moore election actually went for Roy Moore which I believe so my point is just that this stuff is is I, I for sure knew that the there was funny business with the bush presidential elections probably plural bush too and uh, so i knew that but i didn't know like how deep it went if it went to every little city and town or was it just ohio and florida the two states that really matter and and the point is that i now i'm starting to think they really control it that now we've got to the point where it's very, it's very much on a case by case basis, but you can, you can't really count on the integrity of the vote. Even the election, the mayoral election of Mary Norwood might have won both mayoral elections in Atlanta versus Kasim Reed and um, what's her face. So the new one, um,
0: Bottoms, Alicia Bottoms, is that right?
1: Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> I didn't follow that very closely, obviously. I should have, I guess, but anyway, so, uh, but, but it just demonstrates to me that this stuff is highly strategic and that the point is just to have people believe it. Like the entire point of democracy is just to have people believe it. So, um, and, and Trump made this election commission to find illegals, whatever, and he disbanded it without any findings. Like they didn't say we found nothing. They just didn't say anything. And then the left is saying oh because there was nothing to find that there are no illegals you know blah blah blah
0: but- no illegals it's ridiculous to say that the election was rigged but the election was was rigged when trump colluded with russia right.
1: so no illegal immigrants voted and i personally have met many illegal immigrants who voted in california i mean the first illegal immigrant the first person i met who voted was an exchange student from denmark who voted for clinton i was couldn't believe it i was shocked I was so young and naive. So uh yeah, but but Russia, you know, Russia did it. Anyway, so so we have a situation where it's just all about it's just the confidence game. It's just the con. And and you were talking before about the trust project. And I was telling you about um offline here about Zuckerberg's what he's gonna do. Mark Zuckerberg, his his New Year's resolution for 2018 isn't personal like it normally is. It's about uh it's about fixing Facebook, and part of that effort. He doesn't say here, but I I know part of that effort has been getting three thousand sensors. YouTube announced that they're they're getting ten thousand human sensors, and the idea is. And actually, I just saw a comment when I was looking this up of Zuckerberg that um, he the comment was this. The chick says, Facebook, Twitter, and others need to be policed. I no longer trust social media because I have no clue what is true and what isn't. Russia and other foreign entities that want to undermine our democracy should be shut down immediately. Fix this soon, please. Facebook is no longer fun. I miss the old days. (laughs) somebody underneath her said this. I only read half this crap. One of the problems with Facebook is that anyone can complain about someone and that person gets banned without being able to appeal. Facebook needs a fair justice system, or hopefully millions will soon find an alternative for social media. But the point is just to get people to trust, to trust, to trust. And don't forget, monarchies used to get like 5% taxes. Democracies get 50% taxes. So, it's so powerful to get people to think they're doing it to themselves.
0: Well, Obama just did some sit-down interview with, was it Prince Harry? Is that the one that's getting married soon?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which was weird because since when is Prince Harry a journalist, a dogged journalist oh, who finally Obama got that interview? Oh, I
1: thought Obama would be with, interviewing with Harry. <laughs> no,
0: it was, it was Prince Harry interviewing Obama from what I saw. It was, just, it was really weird. It no, was I'm too sure weird. that's right. It, it was weird. very pretentious and... It's just like, who the fuck are these people? I don't want to see this stupid interview. I don't care about Prince Harry. It, it, the interview... No, it feels racist. Uh, what, it feels racist?
1: Yeah, because Harry's, uh, what, part of the club now? You know, because he's he, black? No, his girlfriend isn't his girlfriend black. His fiance?
0: No, she's white. Mm-mm. Yeah, she is. She's an American... Unless...
1: Yeah, she's, she's, uh, she's at least... She has at least one black parent. Does I mean, she? I mean, know, I know she has... It's one oh, black maybe, parent, no. one white parent.
0: Yeah. She looked white to me, but I haven't looked into her background. So maybe she is light skinned. But no, it
1: was I, I, I heard like people were <laughs> having it out in the mainstream media because some people were focusing on the I racial aspects yeah. and they should really just be focusing about the true love aspects. It just that's why they're like, can I invite Obama or should I invite Trump? Now, why would that be a big deal if it weren't for the racial element? You know what I'm saying?
0: But well, it also explains why they fist bumped and Obama said, welcome to the family, my brother. <laughs> Prince Harry asked Obama about social media and, you know, the stuff that you're talking about. And Obama's answer, I, this is I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said the problem is that with social media the way it is today, it's not like news – is it like it used to be? We used to operate on a common set of facts. Now people have their own facts, a bunch of different facts. So he was insinuating that we need to wrangle the internet so that everybody once again is operating on a common set of facts, which goes to we need to control everything, and you need to accept these facts and not look at the other stuff like you were just saying.
1: Yeah, that's that's the funny thing is that the facts are the things are part of what you have to establish. You know what I mean? You don't get to decide. You don't get a central scrutinizer who decides all the facts. You, ha- you need to present evidence. You know what I'm saying? It's all about this uh, this fallacy of who's authorized, who's licensed. You know, as as Obama said when he was still in office, the truthiness test. Yeah. They, they just, they want, they want parameters. But this... It's it's such a it's so fascinating to me because it's all about our perception. And I feel like they're almost too desperate and what and where they are right now. They're so close to having totalitarian world government. They know how close they are. I mean, they, it's really at the tipping point. The only thing that was standing between the world and totalitarian world government was this uh, slim majority of Americans who understood and defended our foundational principles of individual liberty. I'm serious. Like people looking at the Bill of Rights and saying, wait, you can't do that. Because when I read all this stuff about China, they don't have that. I was talking to a Canadian recently and I and I said something about Trump never talks about the Bill of Rights. She said, Is that important? I'm
0: like, oh. So
1: <laughs> she she was saying it's just the taxes are lower here and that's better. But uh, and I appreciate that.
0: Do they even teach the Bill of Rights in public elementary schools and middle Anymore. schools, and high schools? Yeah, I
1: don't. I don't remember ever learning it. I don't know. I don't either. I don't know, but uh, I, I just they, they're so by this idea of flipping the South, flipping the flyover states, turning from the Ron Paul Liberty Movement to the uh, populist movement, they've just. They've loosened the grip and, and I, and I think that they're just pulling the pendulum back so high that it's just going to snap. And the EU, like, I don't know what's going to happen with Brexit or Trump or whatever, but the, I think that it's clear there that the rebound effect is what's in the offing. Yeah. But it's all about perception. All they Ooh. care about is if people believe it, accept it. And in China, these people yeah. seem to be accepting just total totalitarianism. Uh, they just 1.4 billion people, I think, are there it, now. It's subtle. And they do
0: it. It would require more effort on their part to change that. And they're comfortable being subjected to it. They, they subtly make people comfortable being enslaved, essentially. And what you just said about the rebound effect, that's important because and you've talked about this a lot. A lot of propaganda – and Bernays – one of Bernays' – his, his core thing is it's, it's all about the perception you create. It, it, it's not the reality. It's, it's the – the perception is the reality. If you, if you create the perception in people's minds, you create the reality that they believe. And that's what these um, PR people and propagandists worked to do is to stage events that created the perception of reality that they wanted people to believe. Therefore, it would cause the emotions and the following actions in the masses that they wanted to cause. But the rebound thing, the reaction thing, is important. It's a psychological concept called, called reactance, where it's a rebound effect essentially. And our default is inaction. A human default is to follow the same routines, the same patterns, to continue doing the same thing until we are absolutely forced to change it. So propagandists work to create these circumstances and events that thrust people into these intense emotional states that cause them to react and therefore take action. The strong reaction is the plan. The reactions are the goal because that's how you get people mobilized and take political action towards your goal. I was a little scattered on that. Well, that's interesting
1: though. No, I get it. And because I was thinking it was the boiling frogs effect, the opposite of what you're saying. It's a little bit of both. But But I think it starts out, I I don't know because like with the Mao, they're talking about in all these articles about China I'm reading, they start with... Uh, there's been six or eight or ten articles in the Wall Street Journal, literally in the past two months, about different aspects of the total surveillance state, the police state in China. In the Wall Street Journal alone, there is something brewing there. But they, but they, they, the peop, they talk about how Mao came in and just, of course, whatever, slaughtered everybody, more or less. And then things opened up and they, they became, I don't know if you would call it fascist or what, but they had this capitalist economic surge kind of within the context of communism. And now they say with all this digital stuff, they're able to reinstitute some of that, like, uh, policing and punishment and stuff from Mao era perfectly because they have the technology to do it. Like to see something, you don't have to tell on your neighbor by, Talking to a policeman, you can just press a button, literally, like you can use Snapchat to rat on somebody. Let me read you the title of that that article so that um, – In sign of resistance, Chinese balk at using apps to snitch on neighbors. New technology rewards citizens for notifying authorities about illegal activity, domestic disputes, and other problems, but people are wary of using it. And uh, so, so Mao had this revolution. Obviously, you have to sp- spur people to have a revolution. And in this country, you really have to spur them to have a revolution because we had our rights and we had prosperity. And that you're not going to get totalitarianism out of that unless you start taking stuff like that away from people and scaring them or I don't know what. So, So perhaps the... You know, I feel like all the civil unrest and stuff—it's like so clearly ginned up out of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the yeah. Ferguson—the Ferguson thing was an example. They waited until eight o'clock at night, till the crowd had been waiting for hours, till it was dark, to to announce the unpopular uh, outcome.
0: Yeah, that and then was people got pissed. That was, know, was so clearly set up. Right,
1: and in Charlottesville, yeah, right. the cops stood down. And let yeah. the people who did not have a permit cause trouble, and then the the guys who did have the permits were the ones who right. got the blame
0: for it. We better not, you know, release this this verdict at six a.m. when there's going to be no chance of a riot. We better tease it all day long, oh,
1: all day long. Tell people, people to gather. Give them
0: right. time to get really drunk and high. Yeah that was totally set up to be a disaster.
1: Totally. So, but how do you get a real revolution? Can you get a real revolution that way? Or do you have to actually start starving people? Do we have to have an economic crash? Do we have to have a war?
0: It's the boiling frog combined with triggering the reactions. The reactions aren't, aren't instant upheaval. It's, it's, it's agitation propaganda mixed with continuous ongoing subtle propaganda. It's changing the conditions of culture as a result of the fear created from the agitation, slowly and, you know and there 's a whole bunch of other aspects implementing technology that people become dependent on, and therefore they 'd rather continue to use the technology and sacrifice their privacy. the Bolsheviks and this is what 's going on right now with this resistance movement. it speaks to what I was saying earlier about they, they need to keep them they need to keep them believing that their actions have the possibility of getting the results that they want and By doing this, by taking action in favor of trying to get rid of Trump, following the steps of Indivisible or whatever the resistance is, they become more and more psychologically committed to doing what they believe it takes to get rid of Trump. Right now they are, for the most part, staying within the bounds of the law because they still believe that by protesting, by showing up, by making their voice heard that perhaps – they can trigger the Twenty-Fifth Amendment. Perhaps Mueller, the investigation, will find something. Perhaps he will be impeached. But all of their hopes and dreams are resting on now. These people were devastated. Remember, they were they were devastated. They had lost all hope when Trump was elected. They were given hope by the Mueller investigation, by the resistance, by the belief that they could take action to change this. That this is the hope that they have. So this hope rests on. Trump either getting impeached or getting removed via the the 25th Amendment, some other legal way, or the Democrats winning enough houses back during the 2018 midterm elections. Those two things are what all their hopes and dreams rest on. If they do not win the seats back in the midterms and if Mueller finds nothing, then they will be devastated, and there will be a small group of them who have committed themselves to taking legal action, to doing what's right, to remove what they believe to be a Nazi tyrant, they will be driven to desperation, and they will become the combat party of communist Bolshevik agents, so to speak, that will be willing to take revolutionary illegal actions like assassination. um... All right, but hold
1: on. What is getting them off the couch? They're not hungry. They're not starving. They're not being rousted or whatever you call it out of their houses you know what i'm saying what is making like that generation the ones i know are playing video games So what is getting that? What are they afraid of? What are they, you know what what I'm trying to get at here? Like it's 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 artificial and I don't get it. You said the natural state is to do nothing. I got up off the couch for Obamacare. I was really afraid of socialized medicine and it is going to be awful. And we're going to get it because did you notice that it just slipped completely virtually under the radar that this tax reform got rid of the Obamacare mandate, the cornerstone of Obamacare, Obamacare will collapse and And the Democrats didn't really go bananas about it, didn't get people taken to the streets about it. And I think because it is the Trojan horse to get the single payer health care in there. But and I I was afraid of that. And I'm still afraid of that. So it got me off the couch because it was it was the last chance to stop. You know, what do they think they're what are they worried about?
0: I'll tell you, they've been led to believe that Trump is genuinely a threat to their way of life, to their progressive values, struck with a fear that their way of life could be destroyed.
1: Which, how? What do I not get here? What do they think? That we're going to have segregation? Or actually, my son Luke said, came home from school and said, he's going to bring back slavery to Africans because he has Down syndrome. He just like absorbed what they were trying to drill into his head. And he's just (laughs) such a concrete thinker that he regurgitated in the way he heard it, which is exactly with the underlying message but they were trying to make it right. subliminal and he just says it and gets me in trouble <laughs> you know because he says crazy things like that
0: i mean it sounds crazy but they genuinely believe that he's walking around with a nuke button and he's going to kill us all i mean this is a, a small know, group no that no believe button. this
1: you know that was a that was a whole like a uh, headline last week that kim jong un and trump were talking about who has the bigger nuke yeah, button that's what i'm talking about i know but like there's a button there's not a button. <laughs> yeah,
0: there's no button. It's not an easy button sitting on the desk. Yeah,
1: like an easy button, just like, yeah. you know, or like 10 easy buttons with the different yeah. names. Yeah.
0: Trump just pauses every now and then it goes. Takes his it, puts his <laughs> yeah. finger on top of it. Ivanka, we could just end it all right now. You want to touch the button, Ivanka? <laughs> I saw that. You well, were that my was...
1: daughter. I'd let you touch the button. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. This Bolshevik book that I have talks about – they target people. These groups target people, and it's very much consistent to what I've seen in studying this movement, is they target people who don't have leadership in their lives, who who want to be a part of something, who jump on the bandwagon. anytime they. So they give them meaning in their life by giving them these steps to take, these actions. They fill them with fear and say this person is going to destroy – you're a progressive. You're a liberal. This person is going to – Destroy all that. And you're That's a good person. very interesting. And then they give them something that they can do. And these are people who haven't had that opportunity, who don't have strong leadership in their lives. They step in and become that leader for them. And these people become loyal to them. And a small group of them, if they become desperate enough, become the combat party who are willing to do like Bill. What's his name? Bill Moyer? Bill Maher. No, not Bill Maher. The Weather Underground people. Heirs? Yeah, Bill Ayers, like people used to go around planting bond. The people who are willing to take illegal right. action—those
1: people were operatives of the government, actually. So the ones who turned—well, the people wild, who are the leading who these people arms are too. the Black Panthers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right.
0: Yeah, the indivisible right. leaders are absolutely—they're they're, from
1: the government. They're like professional yeah. aides that spun off.
0: They are agents of the UN as well. Right. We totally called the Brexit thing not flying through like a year and a half ago.
1: Oh yeah. The day they said it. I it was cuz the referendum was non-binding.
0: Yeah, they did exactly what I thought they were going to do. They put nationalism into the public mind as something that's evil and globalism into the public mind as something that's desirable. They framed right the debate right there with Brexit. That's that was that was part of what it was intended to do. And it was so
1: it was absolutely parallel with the Trump thing. Absolutely. And I don't follow Australia at all, but I wouldn't be surprised if the same things happen in there. I'm Once sure. I saw that thing about <laughs> communist uh, I mean, Chinese influence on their elections. That just was... That's a- hilarious. so funny. I mean, I pulled it before this Eric Trump thing. Uh,
0: how crazy would it be if we actually spoke about campaign or election interference internationally? Honestly, if we laid out how much messing with other people's elections countries have done throughout the years. If we actually looked at that honestly and people saw that that's all we do is mess with other people's elections. Yeah. Well, we have that's like, that's what that's American
1: the- exceptionalism is we have the it's, we are an exception to the law of nations to respecting sovereignty. You must respect our sovereignty, but we don't have to respect yours because we're God.
0: Every country that has the budget to, try and meddle with another power's election does it every single election china israel iran russia they're all trying to influence each other's elections and in every, every cycle. and uh, granted
1: that's foreign i guess that's bad or whatever but domestically that's all anyone's ever doing i mean we are openly spending billions of dollars in some countries they don't have that where you you can just, <laughs> right, yeah. you can buy elections like that. You know, they have, the government has a, a kitty and you apply and you get a little bit of money. Yeah, Sheldon Adelson spe- tries to influence the election. Huge mega donors, Robert Mercer. And isn't he British?
0: I have no idea. I think
1: he might be British. So he was the, probably had the biggest impact on the election actually got Trump elected. Yeah. British interference in American elections.
0: Yeah. Chatham House wrote a uh, published a paper in 2015, right before Brexit, about how Russia is the biggest threat to the international world order. And they need to be the people of Russia need to be shown basically how horrible nationalism is. Oh, the, uh, the of United Russia? States the people of be, Russia
1: need to be shown? Yes, the
0: people, the people of Russia. And they alluded to the people okay, of America. This is
1: important. I I think it's important to remember that these world events that we observe, that you and I look at from the point of view of propaganda, some of them are are for the propagandizing of the other populations. So Putin has to propagandize the Russians all day long, and yeah. we play into that. So sometimes things that we do that right. are wrong have they, they're not really meant for out. Now, granted, the media is pretty segregated. So, like if you were watching Russian news. They they are stories that you just don't get here, that you would get there and vice versa, just because they're not meant for us. But it's always important to remember this three-dimensional chess, but there's also different players. So like when we bomb a hospital in Afghanistan and we're like, that was such a blooper, sorry. It's like, no, that wasn't a blooper. That was you helping Putin consolidate power because it's much easier to deal with one guy than – A bunch of guys, you know?
0: Absolutely. The propagandists absolutely target the populations of other countries. That Chatham House paper talked about how they needed to win the Russian public over to their cause against Putin. They needed to turn them against Putin is essentially what they were talking about. Harold Laswell talks about in Propaganda Techniques in World War how during World War I, towards the end of the war, the Americans would like drop food and pamphlets that that offered enemy soldiers – you know, a ranch home. You know, warm food that that offered them a better situation than they were getting at home as a way to soften those soldiers and to get them to submit, and it worked. Yeah, but then so, yeah, absolutely.
1: You have a guy like Churchill, who just yes. is so good at you know wanting to be a hero, making people feel like they're going to be a hero. You will fight to the death. You'll you'll give up everything. But I just want to point out, Clapper, James Clapper said the same thing. About we need this U.S.I.A. or whatever on steroids. That Voice of America, which which is its goal. I used to love that. I used to think my father used to love it. It's yeah. like oh, we broadcast behind the Iron Curtain and try to inspire people to revolt against communism, and it's great. But it really, I, it's the way Clapper was talking about it, and I think is accurate is that it was, if you look it up, like on Wiki, it says it's meant to propagandize other populations and influence their elections. Not just, wasn't just behind the Iron Curtain. It probably dovetails with Operation Gladio, which was about Italy, which was democratic at, when we were trying to influence it in that way. And the guy who ran it uh, was Tucker Carlson's father, just seeing so
0: you know. Yeah, yeah. You've told me that. That is very interesting. Yeah, I
1: know. I try, I know it sounds, if you listen always to, to the, if people listen to our podcast all the time, you're I was actually taught that you should – you can repeat yourself once more. I used to try not to do it yeah. on purpose, but – I
0: said something a second ago is interesting, which reminded me of what we were talking about, um, the resistance, a moment ago. The, the resistance, like we, we see them from our perspective, you know, so we don't quite get h- how they're driven to such insanity.
1: Can we stop calling them the resistance? Because I am the resistance. I was – remember, like, this – we were resisting. I know, but this the is a, this is
0: important to understand uh, why they feel right. the way they feel. All right.
1: The Tenth Amendment will solve all their problems.
0: <laughs> they genuinely believe that they are like and the yeah. <laughs> They believe they are a, a collection of people who who has seen the light. Yes, exactly. They believe they are in a country where a tyrant has taken over, and they've gathered in their collective basements and boardrooms with their whiteboards and. They might as well have their uh, CB radios where they're talking to each other, and say, they they believe it just like that, just like any other uprising group of people have believed in their cause. In their minds, they are sitting in a basement trying to save this country.
1: But here's the thing: if they looked at what what's different about this than like the French Resistance, after which that expression "Resistance" is you know that's what it's referring to, the French Resistance to. The Vichy government, the Nazis during World War II. What if you really look at this country, though? This this country it was a confederation of states, so you have a country closer to home that you can use for recourse. And the way to do it, I mean, I know libertarians are trying to do it with the Free State Project in New Hampshire, but there's this this resistance thing has a lot of momentum. They should just all move to California and uh, and take it back. What they could do. In California, for example, as a good example because it's in the crosshairs right now, uh, a few things happened um, that garnered a, a headline just today. Uh, Jeff Sessions is just virtually trying to take over California or whatever. Because one of the things he said he was going to do is is reverse yeah. Obama's "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" policy, basically about marijuana yeah. and just states. What, and he cal- said. what
0: he said: people who smoke marijuana aren't good people.
1: When did he say that recently? He said it a long time ago, right? But
0: I don't know the clip I heard. I have no idea when. It
1: yeah, he said it, in right? I think, but I mean, that's, that's
0: quite a thing to say. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, and it's, but I think that was in context. I don't know, but I remember him saying something like that, um, in in context in Congress. But so he wants to go in and enforce federal laws against the states. But and and it also reminds me of somebody on the air on the WSB show last time was saying, oh, you know, you can't be down on Trump, which I wasn't. I wasn't even talking to everybody brought up Trump. I was like, I just said I was a libertarian and you're all calling me saying, why do I hate Trump? Well, that is so telling.
0: I thought about that. And I think I know what triggered that is you said what you've talked about, and it's a very valid point, you said, that's why I think that the Democrat's going to come in as a Republican to push the policy through, or the Republican is a Democrat. So oh. you alluded to Trump being— Trump
1: had been a Democrat, and all his cronies right, are Democrats. And he had just given an interview the day before.
0: And, yeah, yeah. That you said—, also said yeah. You also said you didn't believe you had all that money. So you did say a few things. But yeah, did I say you. that
1: stuff before people yeah. freaked out yes, at me? Yes, you did. Oh, shoot. Sorry.
0: <laughs> no, it's fine. It's, it's, your your voice are I valid. But I was it's, totally
1: yeah. not trying to attack him at all. See, that's the thing that's different that, that is hard to believe when you're a true believer like my mom. She thinks it's personal, so she thinks that I like hate him now because I thought Hillary was going to win. I didn't want Hillary to win. She knows I didn't want Hillary to win, but I said Hillary was going to win, so she thinks I now I'm embarrassed. You know what I mean? Like there's a deep psychological. But but it, that's because what we're dealing with here is a cult of personality, so that you can say, but he's going to bring DACA back, that Dreamers Act back. You know, he's going to bring that back. And people are like, you know, why are you so hard on him? Well, I'm not. I'm just saying you're giving him the benefit of the doubt for everything. Yeah. You know, but but with Obama, you're like, he's not following the Bill of Rights. It's like with Trump, it's like, man, what do you want? But the one thing people keep bringing up, they've always brought up, it's always the thing, which is why you're never going to resolve the abortion issue or the gun control issue, Second Amendment, is that they're like, but the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court. I'll tell you something. Uh, it never sat right with me. So I remember I went to Stanford Law School. It's very theoretical. They really examine, you know, the wishy washy, you know, was this good policy? You know, was this decision good policy? Because it's a policy decision means it's, it's judicial activism and that's bad. But the first, I think it was Marbury versus Madison, like that initial decision that said the Supreme Court could decide if laws passed by Congress were constitutional or not. And you think that sounds like a good idea because they're going to keep Congress constitutional, but it's a bad idea because what it does is, and I think it's wrong. I don't see in the constitution. I think the plain reading of the constitution does not give the Supreme court that power at all because it doesn't say it does. But what it would do is it validates what it doesn't invalidate. So so it allows Congress to make unconstitutional laws. And if, if John Roberts says Obamacare is constitutional, which by saying it was a tax, which made it constitutional, he made it unconstitutional because it was a tax passed by the Senate, originated by the Senate. But he said it was constitutional and there, there it lays. And uh, But I think the real remedy should have been and was meant to be nullification. So if Congress passes a law that's unconstitutional, you and your state do not abide by it. That's the recourse. And if they don't take that, then you secede. And then they, they come back. Like the constitutional or the convention, the Hartford Convention or something, I think 1812, they were going to secede because they didn't like the war with Canada or something. And so they stopped the war.
0: Wait, the what?
1: Was it the Har- Hartford Convention of eighteen twelve? It was like they were going to su- some states, I believe, like New England states, were going to secede from the Union. This is very—I can't remember the last time I looked at this. But they were. I read a book called "The Constitutional History of Secession." It was quite a good. Yeah. I, that was a pretty I obscure
0: about. fact there that. Uh... Sorry,
1: but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't <laughs> yeah. Be. Because it was—it was valid. The Constitutional History of Secession is the book I read. It was quite a good. I really liked it. Now, if I reread it now, I don't know if I would like, because I read a long time ago, but I think I would. And it talks about how even Rhode Island actually seceded from England before the revolution, never declared war on England, and England accepted its independence. The idea is when you have a constitution, not even just our constitution, but you don't, you don't have to be a part of it. And uh, so So, if we had had, if we had never allowed the Supreme Court to validate congressional laws in the first place, the states would have had to do it or not do it simply by accepting or rejecting the law itself, because Congress had very limited power and and no real power to enforce it. They had those like 18 enumerated powers, and then the rest they were were just restrictions, limitations on their power. So, if from the beginning it was crystal clear that states were empowered to deny and nullify congressional law if they got out of bounds and different states could make different decisions about it and secede if necessary. Um It would have changed the whole profile of this country. Like the Supreme, we should start doing that now is what I'm saying. Supreme court has too much power. It's wrong. And, uh, and we should nullify the bad laws rather than just vote for the lesser of two evils every damn time because of the single issue that you care about and empower the Supreme court to decide on.
0: The lesser of two evils is how you get people to blindly defend everything or ignore contradictions from the person that they support. Because the contradiction might arise, but there's no time to think about it or or consider it critically when you're just hit with a storm of things that make you hate the other side. And when you hate the other side, you want somebody to stand with.
1: And if there's only one thing that matters, so abortion. My mother freezes her fingers to the bone, praying the rosary outside uh, Planned Parenthood. And uh, she only cares about that. And I understand that. It's a very serious issue, the most serious issue. And... So she doesn't have. If you say you're anti-abortion, she doesn't have to think. Of, she will forgive every other thing. And the thing is, the Republicans aren't getting rid of Roe versus Wade. And I, I believe Trump actually used to not be anti-abortion. If I'm if I recall correctly, he just says he is now, and he's not going to do anything about it. There's nothing's going to happen.
0: Yeah, he, there was made, an interview of him talking about it a while ago where. Honestly, his response to it was, I, I thought, a reasonable response. I so just take it out of context. He talked about how it's a difficult situation for people, and, and it is. When it comes to somebody who is considering having an abortion, what a terrible situation to feel like.
1: And the circumstance, the society, the, the – when when abortion is the thing people – Pick a right. lot, people
0: politicize it, it's terrible,
1: yeah. But they're, but you don't have alternatives, so they close one of the things they did the JFK era. People blame it on Ronald Reagan, but it was JFK. Well, Ronald Reagan had responsibility for it too. But with JFK, they closed down mental facilities and orphanages because they acted like they were institutions of oppression, which they absolutely were not. I mean, they're not saying everybody was treated well in them, but as institutions, they're necessary, they're very humane concept and when you shut down orphanages people couldn't give up their children with down syndrome for example
0: he shut down orphanages i
1: believe i think so i think orphanages yeah so they were like became foster homes and Uh, you know what i mean like they changed the way they tried to place children in homes it doesn't really work out very well but i'm just saying when you close down the places where you like i have a son with down syndrome he's very difficult I love him to death, but he was a very difficult child. And I didn't live near my family. I used to travel around for my husband's job. So we had the resources to take care of him. But if I, if I, you know, if you don't have the resources, the family or whatever, it's daunting. So what are you going to do? There's no humane alternative. When you have a society that's built around abortion being the correct moral choice, which is what they're saying, that abortion is the correct moral choice that you, there's just no, what what can you do? And that's right. that's not a question of policy. And like the Roe versus Wade should not be a federal law. It should not be at Supreme Court level. It's a state issue for sure. Uh, so in that regard, I they should absolutely be overturned. On the other hand, when you think about the use of force, which is the government, you know, it's a terrible way to think about it. But if you really... If that woman is determined to get an abortion, you would have to like handcuff her to the radiator and put a feeding tube down her throat. You know, are you willing to do that to save that child's life? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you have a right? Do you have a right to do that? I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying that's real. That's why the question can get sticky. And and that is
0: exactly why it's terrible that it's so politicized because it is an issue that more than just about any other requires the people who are discussing it to have the utmost empathy and consideration and to set aside emotions if they want to talk and discover maybe solutions that people haven't well, talked about. Margaret but they, Sanger they, was after yeah. it.
1: She wanted the abortions, you know, Margaret Sanger. So like there was a movement from the left that to make this a big political issue, because if it weren't a political issue, it wouldn't, it, you know, people wouldn't wear t-shirts. I had an abortion. That was the best abortion I ever had. You know, wasn't that what that... um martha plimpton said or whatever her name was like you, you that's not the answer the answer is uh right you know, compassionate solution
0: what did the shirt say
1: i think gloria Steinem was wearing a shirt that said i had an abortion and then martha plimpton or i don't know was that her name The like blonde actress from the 80s I don't want to get the name wrong because if if I'm talking about somebody else, I don't know. But she was in a town. She was, like, doing an interview. I'm sure she was put up to it because it was, like, an immediate, like, national news story. She was saying how last time she was in this particular town or the first time or something, she had had an abortion. It wasn't her first abortion, but it was her best abortion.
0: See, now that is the type of propaganda that triggers people to go get abortions out of spite because they hate the other side. I mean, that's terrible.
1: Yes, it makes it so divisive, so political, even though it's a it's a social it's a really, truly societal issue. It's a, a fundamental kind of a moral break like that society breaks on that line. You know, you would think we could agree on that, which is why it's so obvious, like agree that it's it's a. Tragic, you know, no matter whether you yeah, do it or not, like, absolutely no matter what side you're on, yeah, people and then, have
0: PTSD after that.
1: Yes, and if you that's... did see it as tragic, you could help it, you know, help people. And that's why it really it, it's so clearly to me, uh, like a subversive issue to politicize like that. And and the homosexuality too became a political issue, so that if you're gay, you have to be a Democrat, right. and right. the right totally plays into it by making. People's personal choices, uh, like they started it. They, they started it with that federal, um, marriage act that Bill Clinton signed. Talk about a collaboration for divisiveness. Yeah. That is what started this whole thing. And that is how, um, it got all the way up to the Supreme Court and everything. And the right triggered that. And they're, and, and the right has no business legislating social matters on the federal level. And anybody who considers themselves a defender of the Constitution or an individualist or respecting the founding principles of this country knows that doesn't belong in the federal arena any more than abortion does.
0: No, and I, I really don't think it belongs in every television show that I like to watch. I, I don't need to I don't need to see an intensely gay scene every episode.
1: They sexualize everything. When you start talking about gay issues or whatever, that's a sexual thing. You know what I mean? That Where it doesn't necessarily belong. And also the abortion. When my daughter started going to the super Catholic school, she was pretty young. And they like took her on an anti-abortion march. And she was like, what's abortion? And I was oh, like, well, wow. a person doesn't want a baby. She's like, well, how would you get a wow. baby? Why would you pray for a baby if you didn't want it?
0: How old was she?
1: Oh, I was going to say she was three. I think she was seven.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. Crazy.
1: Yes. And I was like, I mean, she was just baffled. She was like, well, how would you get a baby you didn't want? i was like before they weren't
0: about sex they go on an abortion right
1: right so i mean i i they're i i I know they were doing it because they felt the calling i'm just saying i was a little surprised and uh because i had questions to answer but it when you politicize it like that and it's it's so divisive and then you become that identity it's a way of of making so if what you're talking about if identity is ethnic how do you break up, and and white people are the majority. Now, first of all, uh, white ethnicities were really what defined the identities. Of, like, I, my mother's family super identifies as Irish, and, and I'm an Irish citizen. Like, I totally get that. So even this idea that, like, we're 60% white, what is white? Italian and Irish, I mean— uh, English didn't think Irish were white. Irish didn't think Italian were white. You know what I mean? Like they didn't think, they thought they were different races practically for a while there. And uh, so, when, but if you, let's just accept this notion of a white majority, how do you divide the white majority up? By dividing men and women, yeah. by um, uh, encouraging divisions around sexual orientation. Um abortion itself i mean you are identifying with the woman
0: yeah they condition people to just be triggered by any response that isn't what they've been conditioned to believe is morally right or they're right so no conversation ever happens and that's that's an easy way to divide people
1: i'm so damn sick of it somebody called to the show the other day and it was like we just need to talk to each other and i was sitting i was sitting at, at some holiday function with somebody who's like really liberal, like a true believing, dedicated her life. You know what I mean? Like a good person. But to me, and and I know another person who's like uh, cause she's super politically active. Really, she really cares about righteousness. And her what she does is sneak girls over the border who are too young to get an abortion without the parents' permission. In this yeah. in the state she lives in, I forget what. So like, I'm talking you like it, now that to me is like way too far, but the other chick who just like works for the government, you know, whatever, helping the homeless or something, just a true believer. And, uh, I'm not a true believer. Like, I don't believe the government, you know, and I just don't believe it. I don't, she's a nice, she's an awesome person, really great person. But like, I think she's one in a million when it comes to the people who are deciding where money is spent or any of that kind of crap. And, uh, and, and if, it freaks people like that out when you say you're a libertarian. Like, and if they're jerks, they'll be super mean. Like, I was totally abused by one guy who was just like, You libertarians are such assholes. <laughs> it's like, okay. You know, like what? I, I'm not a, i not, ai maybe I am, but you don't even know if I am or not. You know what I mean? Like, we haven't even had a conversation, but I know you are.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 But that super
1: nice chick. I was like, you know, I totally don't believe in what you're doing and I don't think it's going to work. But, you know, I didn't say that. But, like, I didn't say that. But I'm a libertarian. She has to know. And I just thought, please don't hate me because we're so far beyond that. You know, like, we have got bigger problems than what ideology you subscribe to. It's the corruption, the deception is so intense at the top. This reality show that, like, tens and tens and tens of millions of people stand online in the voting booth to participate in this reality show without real. I do it. I vote, you know, I can't even take myself out of society to that point that we just, uh, I, I, I I just am sick of, I, I just wish people would say, okay, you can have your ideology, believe it, live it, work for the government. I don't care. I just, uh, It's stupid to hate each other for that. It's really just disagreeing. I understand. I think that my political philosophy is based on thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal. But I got another call the other day saying you can't be a Catholic and a libertarian at the same time. People think, you know, they don't think government is stealing taxation is theft. I do. I think it's crystal clear. I don't know how anybody could think anything else, yeah. but people do think something and it doesn't always mean they're complete jerks. But, but, but nowadays it's kind of like, it does always kind of mean people are complete jerks on either side of the aisle because they're raising our ire to the point where we just hate each other by the right. the labels. There's
0: trigger words. You got to yeah. try to step around in order to en- in order to engage people.
1: I didn't mean to start a fight with the Trump people at all. Like I, I now that you, I know you I saying that I know stuff, it, but-
0: I had to think about it to figure out what it was because your intent was not to bash Trump. You were just saying something that you believe in, in a casual way.
1: Honestly, I what, was what trying to establish criticism? what a libertarian was. Yeah. for this audience who was not my normal audience, I thought I was doing them. You know, I thought I was on their side. <laughs>
0: yeah, but what they heard was Trump's a liar.
1: I just wish we didn't – it's so stupid that we hate each other when we all need to be pitching together to stop – I'm really worried about criminal justice reform. Like if we get oh. that, it's it's going to be terrible. The fact that Basil Ellaby or whatever his name was and um, Zarat Garcia Zarate, formerly known as Francisco Lopez or whatever his name is, Sanchez, if – when those guys, the Steinley suspect on the i-85 suspect when they got off people were pissed because they're like criminal justice doesn't work but you and i knew those people were innocent <laughs> you know they didn't do it yeah, so there was no the fact remedies, that they sure. got off is is important to understand that you know those that this process that we have these squiggles on a page the laws that we have people say the constitution isn't worth the paper it's written on it takes a long time to get those to override those squiggles Supreme Court is pretty good at it. That's why I worry so much about due process. And what what person in this country doesn't want to maintain due process? And see, that's something that the right is – and the left now with this media thing, fake news, this sexual harassment stuff, the left is also – now willing to give up on due process. And the right yeah, is worried you know. about the terrorists, you know. It's just all bullshit.
0: Yeah, one of the purposes of the hashtag Me Too movement is to establish that people can be anonymous. No more right to face the accuser, no more due process. It's determined outside of the justice system. It's determined by the the online lynch mob. But what the you herd. said. Yeah, they hurt. Basil Ellaby and the Kate Steinley guy, another interesting thing which also works to subvert due process is Both of the people who were accused had a history of of criminal activity, of drug use. They both fit the stereotype Uh, of someone who's guilty. So in the minds of the public, when they see this, it's the reverse halo effect. It's the demon effect. It's the a bad person who's committed crimes is always guilty when that's not always true. Like of that course. And that's how you make show. a Patsy. Right. The guy who called into your show was like, I know Basil LB. I know that he would So he, he knew that he did it, not because he had been presented with evidence, not because of any credibility from the witnesses. The witnesses were other homeless people, other other people who use drugs. They conflicted their stories there was nothing credible about it he was not basing anything he believed on evidence he was basing it strictly on his personal view of basil Elby which was completely separate from what actually happened
1: and it didn't even occur to him that he didn't do it he said you're wrong this guy's not part of a conspiracy right. and I said, I'm saying he's not part of the conspiracy I know it, it wasn't and he wasn't like yet. but but he but he you know he burned the thing down it's like I'm not so sure and he was like what I know him I'm like so what But I think he did know him. I think you're right. I think he knew him. And it's like some guy, real gross pervert guy, like hitting on me. Like I was sitting, my husband was on one side, his wife was on the other. And he's like,
0: wait a a minute. Awful. Wait, you gotta, you gotta slow down a second. I need need you to paint the scene for me. Were you guys at a table at a bar?
1: It was at a dinner party. Um, I don't want to give too many details because I don't want anyone else who's there to piece it together.
0: Hey, my wife's in the bathroom. What are you doing later?
1: You wanna go in the bathroom with my wife? <laughs> <laughs> no, who's uh see I'm gonna there's gonna be a tell on who this guy was when I when I tell you what he said. But they were all sitting around. We were all sitting around and and uh I was complaining about the Fed because I used to be more ideological and care about that stuff. And um He said, yeah, yeah, you know, I understand your argument, but my grandfather was a Fed chairman, so I know that they're really on the up and up. uh, (laughs) You're wrong. I was like, you know, you're a disgusting pig. And my guess is (laughs) if I had to go for a family line who was in it for himself, I I would not discount yours. But his argument was so ridiculous. Like, I know the guy. It's like, but you don't know his motives. You don't know what he was doing. Why do you trust him? Just because you're related to him.
0: That's interesting. I was more curious about the juicy details of someone hitting on you in front of his wife and your husband.
1: It's happened to me a few times where.
0: Don't go into it if you don't want to uh, reveal who you're talking about.
1: No, no, it's not that. It's just. I don't know what they're thinking. My husband's not a bad looking guy. He's. Uh, not, he's not hovering over me like a hawk, like he totally doesn't care at all. But they, but I don't know what makes them think. Hopefully, my husband never ever listens there. <laughs> That's my basic. I always assume he's never going to listen. Sometimes I call him even before my WSB show and I say, Don't listen to my show, don't let the kids no, I think listen. what you just said
0: speaks positively of him. He's not somebody who's hovering over you. No, Can he does, and he trusts me, of you course, totally. You, yeah.
1: yeah, totally. But but I don't know what these guys think, but it happened to me more than once where they'll sit there and say filthy <laughs> things to me. Filthy well, things. That's right? crazy. Yeah, like, you know, hey, just so you know, I'd really like to blah, blah, you know, and then describe it. <laughs> and I'm like, uh,
0: And they go in detail. Wow. So I think detail. some people just stop caring and lose yeah, their filter.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The one guy had stopped caring for sure you know what i mean yeah. like he was just like burping and the other guy <laughs> you know, the other guy was just i think he was actually doing it to torture his wife or or get her off i don't know what oh, was going oh, on there like i feel like that played into it somehow yeah
0: it was probably some of that
1: uh weird stuff i'm not
0: interesting worried. what uh did you have anything else you wanted to go back into or any other subjects you wanted to cover
1: uh he, You know, I did I I kind of wanted to just rattle off a couple of these headlines of China, but we don't have to.
0: Like I don't really care. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to hear it. China's like the model for like the the police state that we're kind of falling into, right?
1: Uh well I it's I think there are two things at work here. One is I I I think so the USSR from what I can tell was basically a kind of a setup it was a dialectic that was set up to keep us on the war footing to keep the defense co- contractors going and they kind of like that's why oppenheimer gave them the bomb and uh, and it served some functions for us like uh psychological experimentation on human beings which would never fly here but they could get away with it in the ussr and they did stuff like that in nazi germany too and there were some you no know, backward eugenics the nazis got eugenics from us from like margaret sanger and that crowd anyway so like the other countries our demon countries are often petri dishes for stuff we want to use but can't actually incubate here yeah i think israel serves a little bit of that purpose with some tech and some of the surveillance stuff also they said in one of these articles in the journal that israel was the only place that did some of this stuff uh and so i think that this is definitely getting perfected over there to be plugged in over here. But I think there's a little uh, more something that's going to come sooner, which is the Uyghur Uyghur district, which was like, it used to be, they consider themselves East Turkmenistan. So it's a central Asian district that Mao took over and annexed to China. Uh, It's Muslim. You hear about it every once in a while. And, 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 two of these or three of these articles was about how this intense scrutiny is happening in that little area. And these articles have gone into the oppression. Those people suffer the religious oppression. They can't leave no freedom of movement, all that stuff. And I think they're setting us up for a refugee influx of Uyghurs. (laughs) I really mean that. I know that sounds like a weird prediction. But because I was so sympathetic. Who were the people, Uyghurs again? They're they're Chinese Muslims. Okay. You know, they're they're kind of, when you look at them, when you look at this region, they look like uh, you know, a transitional race. I mean, if I, I don't understand like how to classify races. I don't know if there even are races, but if you think of Chinese people as looking one way and Middle Eastern people looking as another way, or Iranian people looking as another way. Mm-hmm. And all the stands, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Turkmenistan, all that stuff, is Central Asia, the steppe, S-T-E-P-P-E, the steppe, they are basically, it seems to me, if you look at a map, kind of uh, by the steppe. So they, they don't look like totally Chinese. They look Chinese, but yeah. they look kind of transitional. And they're Muslims. Hmm. So they're ethnically a little distinct and they're religiously distinct. And China owns them like they own Tibet. And as a matter of fact, the guy who's there to crush their spirits, their separatist spirit, is a guy who used to do it in Tibet, a Chinese um, like little county manager guy. Oh, he's like a
0: community organizer.
1: Yeah. Oh, they have a grid system there. Every 300 people or houses or whatever has a grid manager that keeps an eye on that small group of people. Yes.
0: That's interesting because they talk in the media quite frequently of late of how – great china is doing economy wise is that are they trying to create yeah, this is the other thing. halo
1: no well here's the thing they're all every single article sounds bad right so there's two different kinds of articles what about the oppressed uyghurs who are getting the worst of the surveillance state and i really think they're setting it up for us to get a huge influx of them which would be a very different culture for us and hard i think to absorb and mass You know, like the Cambodian boat, you know, all that stuff, like big things. Can we put a
0: wall somewhere around them so they can't escape?
1: Well, you know, Sweden has a wall between them and Iraq, but the Iraqis still get. Oh, hmm, how do the Iraqis (laughs) get into Sweden? Anyway, um, (laughs)
0: ladders, I guess.
1: (laughs) Some really long ladders on airplanes. So (laughs) uh, so that the one is that. But the other ones are all I mean, let me rattle them off. And first, let me tell you what the point is. In every one of these articles, they they talk about this horrible, oppressive whatever, and then they say how um, much better you know how much how how many criminals they catch. So it's always about catching criminals and preventing terrorism. They never talk about this power. They said the methods are are get would be in violation of our rights but they're always talking about it being like crime prevention. And, they, and so the journal you know. has put a sentence about how great each of these things is every single one. Um, all right. So the internet tightens popular Chinese WeChat app to become official ID. The pilot digital identification system underscores Beijing's reliance on big tech to monitor people. That's one. I'm only going to read the ones I have not yet read. So earlier I read a couple um china snares innocent and guilty alike to build world's biggest dna database police gather blood and saliva samples from many who aren't criminals including those who forget id cards write critically of the state or are just in the wrong place uh, China's all seeing surveillance state is reading its citizens' faces. In vast social engineering experiment, facial recognition systems crunch data from ubiquitous cameras to monitor citizens. Oh, by the way, I was just reading some of the InQtel, the CIA venture capital funds, uh, incubating the, what they're incubating there, the businesses they're investing in. And one of them is, uh, so the, the police in China have and I think this might have been an In tell thing. Their iPhones can scan your face as if it were a fingerprint and it it interfaces with their database and then they can tell who you are, where you came from, if you jaywalk, all that kind of stuff. All right. So they can do that at a traffic stop. They hold their iPhone up to your face. Yeah. And then they know who you are.
0: The, That's what we're getting to.
1: Yeah. Well, the InQtel thing is doing that with DNA. So yeah. you can How so? You can, um, it was mobile DNA scanners. I don't, I don't, I, it's, it's really hard to understand the blurbs on these in things. Cause I'm not, you know, in yeah, the business exactly. yeah. and they make it deliberately hard to understand. They don't want you to understand it, but I guess you could, uh, put, you know, you know how you have like a, a little cube that you can attach to your iPhone to read a credit card. Yeah. So maybe they have something like that you can spin in Interesting. so that a cop could see it at the side of the road. Uh, so, oh, and here is the, the, the piece de resistance. China's new tool for social control, a credit rating for everything. Beijing wants to give every citizen a score based on behavior such as spending habits, turnstile violations, and filial piety. Okay, that blacklist citizens from loans, jobs, or air travel. That was the yes, Black yes, Mirror. Right, yes, Black
0: Mirror. And I, ha- I was going to say something about this earlier because you said something else that reminded me of this. I heard this earlier on was the No Agenda podcast. Yep. It's exactly like Black Mirror, exactly like what you just described. There are companies in the United States who are using a new app that – Encourages their employees to rate their coworkers, just like on. They ask them questions like yes or no, and just like is on it door They'll no, it's not Glassdoor. It's an app that's apparently just like Tender that poses questions: was so and so was that interaction positive with coworker A or B? Wow. yes or swipe yes or no, and then it builds a profile, and based on that profile, the company can you know fire. Well, people.
1: That, it was the one thing I loved about Uber was how the rating system made us nice to each other. And now right. I have to see even that had an evil intent.
0: We should explain the Black Mirror episode. The Black Mirror episode is... It's kind of like a Twilight zone This is how people describe it anyway. Twilight zone type type show on Netflix. And the in the episode... Everything is based on your social media score. You rate every interaction that you have with people. So if you go get coffee, you rate the person as like a one, two, three, four, five. And if you aren't above a certain rating, then you're forbidden from doing things socially and legally.
1: Yeah, like the do- the guy got so low that he couldn't right. get into the office. Exactly. Off the store. Yeah, or
0: yeah. So everything is ba- like, is so like on Facebook, you can click fake news, you can downvote stuff. Everything is based on that, that reaction, that social media score and reaction that people get. It's a, it's a great episode. I think
1: that is very interesting that it's like the down rate. Cause even my son who has Down syndrome, let him use my phone and he watched YouTube. And then when I was looking at my YouTube like comments to see if people talk to me about like videos we've posted, there was like, uh, 10 things about the loud house, you know, in my stream of comments, I was like, tell me this kid is commenting under my name, (laughs) you know, (laughs) (laughs) on YouTube. And, uh, and I went to him and I was like, Luke, did you comment on, you know, a video? And he had like this, like, Oh, I'm in trouble looking. He's like, no, I just, I just liked it. (laughs) And I was like, okay, that's fine. But he, (laughs) He knows to do that. I mean, this is a kid. I never taught him how to use YouTube. That's how intuitive it all is. Uh, I want to read you a few more. Can I do that? Yeah, go for it. All right. There's so many. I'm not going to keep going, but oh my gosh, it's crazy. Uh, this is this is me just, I think it's almost entirely from November and December in the Wall Street Journal, these articles. I mean, that's what's crazy about this. It is just all of a sudden emerging. I don't know why. China's tech giants have a second job, helping Beijing spy on its people. Tencent and Alibaba are among the firms that assist authorities in hunting down criminal suspects, silencing dissent, and creating surveillance cities.
0: <laughs> yeah. But doesn't Facebook also help them with that?
1: Tencent is their Facebook, I think.
0: Okay. Uh, I, I just know that Zuckerberg has, has gone over oh, and yeah, spoke. He's learned Chinese, and he's working with them to um, censor their, their Facebook over there. I, I don't remember the specifics.
1: But... Oh, I, I totally believe that, and it's, it's such a farce because they act like they're not in bed with the government, so there's like another – article i read where the government's trying to get a piece of these by investing it's like really and then there's another article in the journal in 2018 Tech's cowardly lions need courage china's internet giants are powerful and powerless they need to consider a few questions to help resolve the dilemma she's calling on them to stand up and not cooperate with the chinese government as if they're not there but for the grace of the chinese government but here's one that i thought was very interesting the news reads you in china and people can't get enough of it apps that use algorithms to scour thousands of sources to find news and tailor feeds to individual users are china's fastest growing mobile segment i mean that is data mining that is confirmation bias That is um, just there. It's that's psychographic profiling to figure out how to propagandize you best.
0: Right. And you know where it's going to go. It's something that we we talked about, which I actually haven't published this episode yet because I was editing it and editing it. And then the holidays came. But virtual reality is going to enable people to use that same philosophy and give people this immersive news experience that feels like they're actually, instead of just oh, watching yeah. it from outside, but they're going to be in it. But they're going to be guided by a, this is, this is my opinion of where it's going. Their guide telling them what's going on in the situation they're experiencing is going to be a personalized guide fit to meet their personality profile. So if so if you respond to Donald Trump and you believe everything he says, you love everything he says, then your personal guide that explains this immersive experience to you is going to be Donald Trump or it's going to be Hillary Clinton or it's going to be somebody that you just love and you like being around, making you accept the information even more uncritically.
1: I have yes. to read this to you. It's the CIA. It's the number one and on my list of the CIA um, investments that I wanted to tell you about. I'm not going to go through that list, but the number one investment they made that I wanted to tell you about. Can I read you the blurb on that? Yeah, good. Digilens, Digilens, D-I-G-I. Augmented reality. Yep, is a leader in holographic optical waveguide technology and materials serving the aerospace security and consumer electronics industries, leveraging a toolbox of optical IP cores. The company develops unique optical solutions for government and corporate organizations performing optical origami on some of the toughest display and imaging applications. It is also a switchable brag grading research company. Uh, augmented reality made possible. DigiLens is helping global brands and manufacturers power a new breed of AR and VR products through display technology and nanomaterials.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: But that's the CIA, you know, developing that, which it's not. To me, the government should not be fostering stuff that has no, if it, if.
0: I read an article the other day. The title was, I believe the title was for DARPA, augmented reality isn't a game it's war and then they show these images that look identical to call of duty i mean indistinguishable from call of duty and it's real soldiers testing and practicing with this new augmented reality that darpa is investing in or researching for the application of war purposes
1: that probably uh goes along with something i read from several years ago if not Ten years ago, now just a few years ago, it was a Russian general. I was it was translated into English, like on Sputnik or some Russian news source, and he just casually mentioned in his briefing that ten years from now, or uh, so maybe it's only a few years ago, that the battlefield is just going to be robots that can like climb and stuff. You know, he <laughs> was like just get traditional battlefields out of your mind. And those robots are controlled by some guy, right? Somebody sitting there like Ender's game in a room. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I don't even know, except for the fact that warfare is for population control. Like you would think they wouldn't need to kill that many people, but they just want to. So, Right.
0: Well, they got to keep the threat fresh. I don't know why this made me think of that, uh, the robot thing, but combining Alexa with sex bots, they can get people's deepest and darkest secrets. Sex bots can be the best honeypots in the history of the world. Yeah. The best spies. Yep,
1: absolutely. Yep. That they are honeypots. They that's what they were. That's what like honeypot means basically. Sex pot, yeah. honeypot is sex. Like I I call WikiLeaks a honeypot, but it's really only honeypot when right.
0: Julian Assange
1: dresses like that's a woman. Scary. <laughs>
0: I can't believe he was dating Pam Anderson.
1: Was he dating her?
0: I think they had a fling is what reports insinuated anyway. Why would she go visit him at the embassy? It's unless they're hooking up, you know? Yeah, right. Or maybe she has information to pass them. (laughs) This is what they always ask, in my opinion. Whenever they need to get us to give up some sort of right or some sort of, you know, uh, fingerprint or whatever they say, how can we get them to do it willingly? Yeah. What can we promise them? What convenience can we offer them? Slow down
1: all the old iPhones. So everyone has to get an X, which is what I did. And they made me do the facial recognition thing right in the store. And I only realized at home that I didn't need it.
0: Yeah. I I have a prediction about where some of that, where they might, a way they might be able to get us to give up our DNA is, there was this Amazon product that came out called the Amazon Key, which everybody at first made fun of because it was you give Amazon a key to your home so the package can be yeah, left yeah. inside. Out, yeah. Right at first glance, that that there's no problem that that's solving. People don't want that. That's an invasion of privacy. But right after that, People all these stealing news packages, and yeah, <laughs> and in national news, videos of not gangsters stealing your packages, but videos of grandma from across the street stealing your package. <laughs> Everybody's under threat, and people don't want to lose their Amazon packages, so that suddenly makes Amazon Key relevant. That's going to give rise to competitors like uh, package security guards or drone security guards to watch your package while you're away. Or what what I thought of is smart packages, is if you just give your fingerprints and all your whatever, they can create a a specific type of package that you have to – Maybe you, you you touch it or whatever. It gets your all of your biometric data is stored in Amazon's system so that they can deliver a package that only you can open.
1: Well, that's a good idea, and I also think that one way to get the high end to do it is to make the lines at the airport so damn long that <laughs> yeah. everyone does what my husband did, which is get get retinal. He goes right, to the, so you can yeah. skip. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. Any convenience like that. That's how it works. Yeah, because the, the
1: high end people aren't going to give you the DNA to get their packages. You know what I mean? Their wives are going to give you the pack Get the package, right? Sex or and, their
0: sex bot away to get the package.
1: Their sex husband bot.
0: That's an easy way to get the <laughs> their sex husband bot. I, I got to tell you, that's that's we, I, when you when you think about sex bots, people genuinely think or usually think of uh, the girl <laughs> sex bots yeah I, yeah guy sex bots that's not something that dudes want to compete with I, I don't think that's
1: <laughs> i don't think there's any, i mean that, i could get super vulgar right now and, and i i just i you know my i offline i'm absolutely not saying know, when it, you give probably... the
0: dildo a full body that's i had to go too far because early too damn far. i had to do what it i heck? had to do it as a callback I...
1: I, yeah, but it just stops it down. It stops the whole damn thing down. And then I get shrill, and then I get emails, you're shrill.
0: Look, that's and a fear still, that guys I'm are like, going to have to cope yeah, with in the thing. near future is all.
1: Well, I think one of the underlying purposes of the sexual harassment thing is to just get men to stop thinking of women for sex once and for all. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, yeah.
1: If we could just get men and women not to think of each other as sex partners— you would solve the population problem, right? And that would be that. And that's it, what I really it, think. It's like uh, it's like Clockwork Orange, where like a guy sees a good-looking chick, and he's just like, "I gotta get away from that. I gotta yeah. don't talk to her, don't look at her, All don't right. ask her out." You know, where's my bot?
0: Right, absolutely. Did you have any more headlines you want to go? We got a few minutes left.
1: Oh, I had something interesting that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it was from September 2017. It said, tech companies may be our best hope for resisting government surveillance. From September 2015. (laughs) I wrote it wrong. It was 2015. Uh, It says, over the last year, the FBI has had harsh words for Apple accusing the tech giant of endangering human lives and aiding criminals by turning on encryption by default on the iPhone. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. This move by tech giants to make government surveillance harder reflects public opinion. A significant number of Americans think the government is overreaching in a recent Pew survey, sixty-five percent of respondents say they think the limits on government surveillance are inadequate. Okay, okay. now, <clears throat> so just this week, because I was wondering how to connect the dots, not between that—I just discovered that article today—but this Logan Paul guy, a big YouTuber, uh, broadcast, I guess, a a person who had killed himself in Japan. He broadcast yeah, this. Someone
0: hanging in Japan's oh, suicide not- forest. Yeah.
1: Um. Sorry, I don't want to get graphic because I think it's so disrespectful what he did. Right, but, uh, but yeah, that's a
0: famous forest where for people go to commit suicide, and he oh, took a okay. camera in there. That's awful.
1: Um, so, so the news story, the Fox News story I heard was that already, like right away, one hundred twenty-five thousand people had signed the petition to get him taken off of YouTube. Yeah. So all this stuff, you know, the the Charlottesville thing, people being radicalized online, uh, offensive, all that kind of stuff, is being thrown at us in response to just two short years ago. The public opinion was clearly we did not want the censorship and surveillance, and public public opinion is absolutely changing on that, or we're being told it is, and that's good enough. A yeah,
0: poll can go a long way in a democracy. Right, the polls can, and those polls, though, also people don't—they they frame the question in a way where, where people don't really recognize that they're contradicting themselves. Like that question that you said that you said, "What was it?" Most people believe that the government is doing what? What was the finding again, or the question?
1: Uh it said. A significant number of Americans think the government is overreaching. 65% of respondents said they think the limits on government surveillance are inadequate.
0: Right. But then you ask them, you say, do you believe the government needs to step in and do more to prevent progressives from getting bullied by Nazis on social media? They'll go, oh, absolutely. And, And the
1: opposite, too, that they that. The government should do more to stop the left bias in the media.
0: Absolutely. They don't recognize that those two, their previous answer and that answer, come into conflict with each other. Yes,
1: which is why I try to read people the Bill of Rights and tell them about principles because – That's what – people loved it when Ron Paul did that. Loved it.
0: Right. It's the general versus the specific. When you ask them the question in general terms, then they go, oh, well, yeah, yeah. I I don't want them to be invasive. But when you ask the the specific one, the one that might apply to them, then they want whatever is going to give them their values, uh, the outcome that satisfies them. You know
1: who did that and it galled me was Albert Einstein, which is why I'm not a fan of Albert Einstein. What do you
0: mean?
1: He was – a total pacifist. So he recommended that soldiers sit down and not fight, even if they were killed for it, because he was, that's how much of a pacifist he was. Yeah, he yeah. also was a man without a nation. So yeah. he got, lost his passports. And so he wanted world government and no national boundaries. Then when it came something important to him, I guess, fighting the Nazis, he said, Oh yes, take up arms and kill or yeah. establishing a nation of Israel of which he would, would be, eligible for and maybe ended up being a citizen. He's like, Oh yes, absolutely. We should have this nation. So it was in his interest. He lost sight of his principles, which, uh, you know, I don't blame him for his position, but I think my father taught me this when I was young and I, I really, it's really important. And I remember it all the time. Is that he said, if you have really strong principles, you understand them and you know them, they're simple and true. You Any decision that comes your way will be easy to make. You just use your principles as a touchstone and you will be able to uh, make that decision. He said, but if people don't have principles, every decision is agony. Should I? Should I? Will it work out? Will it not work out? And over the years, I've, I've I understood the wisdom of that.
0: This brings us back to what we talked about earlier of about the people who the resistance targets to recruit People who don't have a leadership in the form of those guiding principles, they're malleable. Yeah. So they can provide them. Here's You're a progressive, right? You hate conservatives and Nazis, right? Here's what you're supposed to do and they jump all over it, believing it's the moral thing to do because they don't have those principles you just talked about. I have one thing that I wanted to briefly mention. I think we should wrap it up here in a minute, but okay. I don't know if you saw it. I love – look, if we're going to get propagandized all the time, it might as well be fun. Trump, to his credit in his book, one of his The Art of the Deal, he talks about all the time. One of his Trump cards is you always got to live in the moment. Whatever, whatever you're doing, you might as well have fun with it, and I think he does that. I, I think that while I do believe that his tweets are very crafted and I do believe they go through an approval process, I also believe that he – He provokes people, but he also does it in a way that at least we can have a little fun with it. He's a a president, and he's an online social media troll, which I think is great. He tweeted the other day. He said, I will be announcing the most dishonest and corrupt media awards of the year on Monday at 5 o'clock. Subjects will cover dishonesty and bad reporting in various categories from the fake news media. Stay tuned. I hope he actually holds a press conference. I hope – if he's going to do a press conference at all, by all means, make it a farce like this, and, and <laughs> yeah. have these awards, you know. Wait, did he do it? No, he he tweeted that earlier. Oh, okay, this yeah. upcoming Monday, Monday will be the yeah. awards day, and all these. Wait, people but he's going
1: to be at the game on Monday.
0: The game's late, so maybe he'll do. It, maybe he'll do it in Atlanta. Maybe the maybe Atlanta will be home with the fake news awards. Maybe that's the halftime show. That'll be great. In the spirit of that, I posted my nomination for uh, CNN, and I gave 16 examples of how CNN propagandizes and manipulates the truth. CNN frequently posts what's called a listicle. A listicle is an article which is like top five reasons Donald Trump is going to kill all the black people. You know, whatever. It, it, it's it's a it's a it's a plug and play formula for a post that CNN uses to manipulate the truth. Before they even write the article, before Trump even gives a speech, it's already predetermined that this listicle is going to negatively frame what he said. Here is how biased they are. I'm going to read them to you. All right, here they are. Trump's 41 most eye-popping lines from his Pensacola speech. That was December 9th. Trump's 29 most eye-popping lines from Trump's press gaggle in Vietnam. That was November 11th. The 12 most eye-popping lines from Trump's Air Force speech today. That was back in May. President Trump's 35 most eye-popping quotes in his interview with the New York Times. That was in July. Everything can't be (laughs) eye-popping. I mean, over and over again.
1: And it's not like that's a regular feature. They're just recycling it. Yeah, they recycle the same
0: thing and they use the same I guess Maybe
1: eye-popping is super clickbaity.
0: It's super clickbaity, but it, but it also, the goal is to frame Trump, Trump negatively, yeah. making him no, seem like a racist they or an get idiot. i some
1: junior journalists, like, listen to this speech. This is the headline. Find the number of things. When you count them out, put the number in.
0: Right. And so all they focus on is just, they just pluck whatever the easiest line is to spin. Are the
1: things even interesting?
0: I read a few of the list, and all of the lists are condescending. Uh, like Stephen Colbert wrote an article where they're just kind of making commentary on how ridiculous or racist. The tweets
1: are misspelled. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's terrible, but CNN presents these as, as real truthful news on the front page of their website they feature that
1: is outrageous that is outrageous
0: yeah i put 16 examples of just blatantly biased plug-and-play negative headlines and and there's more that repeat themselves too outrageous is another common one they use shocking statements five shocking statements trump made to you know toddlers it it just doesn't matter
1: that was boy scouts
0: Yes, Boy Scouts is one of them. Actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't see it, but no, I, I remember I it. The Boy Scout, yeah. It's uh, the twenty-nine most cringe-worthy lines from Donald Trump's hyper-political speech to the Boy Scouts. Yeah, That's I actually a real read, read that
1: one when it first came out, and I wasn't. It. I went back and listened to his whole speech because I was like, "This isn't that bad." Am I missing something? Was it uh, yeah. the 20, twenty-nine yeah, he, cringes?
0: He could read sure. the little engine that could. To uh, a yes, class to of kindergartners, and the kids. headline would be the eight most shockingly disturbing lines Trump yelled at children.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, super fun! That's
0: fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm good to go. How about you?
1: Yeah, I uh, I'm waiting for Zuckerberg to fix Facebook. That guy makes my skin crawl. Do you think Mark Zuckerberg really was the guy who did? who made this thing in the first place? Or do you think maybe he was a face job from the very beginning?
0: I don't know why you would choose someone like him who is so robotic. and Oh my so gosh. Did you relaxed. ever see
1: Silicon Valley? No. That show looks like they cast the guy after Mark Zuckerberg, but it's just because that casting is so perfect for that
0: role. Yeah. Now it I just really think that if you are going to choose a front man, you want to choose someone who, like Trump, yeah, who's got Peter Mark Zuckerberg? Is just he's a weird guy. I mean, he seems like an alien sometimes.
1: I think that's what happens when you get you have a, a hand up your back.
0: Yeah, well, maybe I don't know. I've never really thought about it.
1: I, it's only, only because when I watch these things and listen to him, it's so fake.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I just totally. I think
1: to myself, like he's like I'm going to try to fix Facebook, and I, and it's so clear to me that this guy's job is to make these videos once a year. You know, that's it. He can't have any other they're so, job.
0: They're so weird, his videos. They're yeah, so it's not strange. a video this
1: time. It's a Facebook post of all things. Yeah. But uh, it uh, he's not – it's just the idea that he's going to do anything, that he has it, any power whatsoever is just hard for
0: me to believe. Right. I'm sure he has people up his back. I think you're right. Uh, well, his videos, uh, they're weird to watch because – He's obviously trying to do speaking techniques like per- persuasive speaking CGI. techniques. CGI. That, that maybe that somebody taught him. <laughs> but the stuff that Obama does naturally that you yeah. don't recognize it unless you're looking for it.
1: Yeah.
0: Zuckerberg does so robotically that it's like, "Whoa, he's trying really hard to, you know, model yeah. the NLP book or whatever it is he just read."
1: Yeah, they should give him a pill. I'm sure that would relax him. Yeah. Anyhow.
0: Upgrade his system. All right. All right. Well, thank you. That was fun. I enjoyed it. Enjoyed your headlines.
1: Yes. I've been accumulating them because uh, there's obviously a theme going on. So to be continued, what to watch out for. Oh, what to watch out for the 25th Amendment. And this is something I don't know if I ever said on the air. When I was reading about Watergate and trying to draw parallels between Watergate and what was happening to Trump, including that – the guy who broke the story, Bob Woodward, what, had a similar role to Bannon in, like, military attache stuff and then going to yeah. the media and then all that kind of stuff, being inside the White House, more or less. One big theme that I noticed did not come up was that Ellsberg, who had, I guess, leaked the Pentagon Papers? I can't remember. Uh, his psychiatrist's office was broken into, and his records were leaked. So I have been waiting for a psychiatrist to enter the scene. And I just saw today one thing. It's not quite what I was expecting, but it was a psychiatrist. I think was like testifying before Congress that they might should consider triggering the 25th Amendment. And What
0: what that is, that is more fueling of the fire to keep the resistance hopeful that their actions are going to pay off and to keep them motivated to keep taking action up through the midterm elections.
1: Oh, and they'll get the 25th Amendment if they vote in 2018. Whereas the Mueller thing doesn't require voting. Right. So Mueller yeah, steps yeah, yeah, out yeah. and they start talking about the 25th Amendment. Right.
0: I think it's key to know that like, nothing is happening to Trump before those elections. So all this yes. stuff is to fuel the fire. Yes. They absolutely—it It is against the interest of the left mm-hmm. to remove Trump right now. They need him. So absolutely. all of this stuff is to fuel that resistance. Now, after, I don't know. But up until then. I'll
1: have to see it unfold.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: All right. Until next time. Thank you very right. much.
0: Thank you. Later. You've been listening to the Propaganda Report. Subscribe, propagandareportdata.com. Subscribe on iTunes or on your Android device. Go to iTunes. Give us a rating. Leave us a message if you like us. If you don't like us,
1: uh, don't go ask yourself.
0: <laughs> you know, and uh, whatever, to each his own or her own or what is it, Z? G- Z. Or Z? <laughs> yes. So thank you for listening. Subscribe. We'll see you next time.